Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about another absolutely amazing James Wan-related creation, also written by Akiva Cooper, who wrote Malignant, that we just talked about. It is the amazing M3GAN. That's right, it's Megan. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Oh, man. Get ready for a movie that's Chucky meets Malignant with a fail girl of a protagonist. So full of fail, she could only be played by one of the stars of HBO's Girls. Wait, is that true? Was she on HBO's Girls? Yes. Allison Williams was one of like the main stars. That's Rose, right? From Get Out. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yes. All she's right. Sorry. She can get out. She's good in this. Girls is a show. No, but do consider <laughs> one of the stars of Girls. What if it had been Adam Driver creating Megan in this? Ooh. Also a very, also a very good movie. Yeah. And tonight, playing the part of the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, English educator, and my wife and our editor, Alicia Whitley. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Man, this movie, can we appreciate just, like, especially the beginning of the movie, just how fucked all of Katie's options are? Like, I have now seen this movie twice, and Katie's options for parenthood is a murder robot, Allison Williams, and Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm, I still don't know which is the best option. <laughs> yeah, it's like it wasn't bad enough that it was like, go live with your grandparents in another state. It had to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, I think because when I was first watching it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely send her to the grandparents. I'm sure they're more qualified. And then they're like, in Florida, I'm like, now hold on a second. Let's start walking that back. Let's start. Let's start thinking about what we're really saying. For this child. <laughs> I feel like the line that best sums up Allison Williams' character in this movie is near the end when they've realized that, like, Megan is unhealthy. There's two problems. Megan is both emotionally unhealthy, even when working perfectly well, and is also a murder robot. The movie is pursuing those two problems, very, like, simultaneously. Emotionally <laughs> it's a hell of a juggling unhealthy. act. But Alice Williams is confronting why she never talked to her orphan niece about death and has the line, I didn't know what to say, so I did the only thing I knew how to. And the only thing she knew how to do was apparently create sentient artificial life. <laughs> sentient artificial life that she did not understand. Like, so just a wild statement. I didn't know what how to talk to you, so I just made a murder robot instead. The whole meme of, like, guys would rather do X than go to a therapist. For her, it's like she would rather create a murder robot than talk to her niece. Like, <laughs> If you're a Futurama fan and you remember that bit with the scary door about the scientist who creates the robot that lives his own life, this is pretty much that as a movie. It's between yeah. this and Bonitis and Old. Just, I don't know, 
Futurama, stay winning. Futurama, a surprising source of a lot of things that then get used in horror movies. Yeah, so uh, to give the little breakdown here, this is directed by Gerard Johnstone, who I know we have talked about before. I recommended at one point Housebound, which uh, he also directed, which is a little weird New Zealand horror movie. And uh, that's like, he's not done a whole lot of stuff, but he's, you know, now he's done Megan and he's apparently already signed on to work on Megan 2.0, which is already in the works because of course it is. Um, I'm into it. I mean, how was that not Megan with the A turned into a four? That's what I said to Alicia. I said exactly that. I said the sequel to this should not be Megan 2.0. It should just be Megan with the A as a four instead of. What would the four stand for? I swear, God, for the longest, I don't know, but for the longest time, I truly did think there were two Megan movies I needed to watch before going to see this one. Because <laughs> it was the third. And that honestly, that's what put me up from seeing this for the longest time was I'm like, yeah, You're I, like, I am not I, caught up. I'm like, I hear it's good, but man, I didn't even hear about the first two. So it's like, do I, I need to, to catch up with that? I have to see Megan first. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Uh, like we said, written by James Wan and Akila Cooper, the same team responsible for writing Malignant. Akila Cooper, man, she's funny. Like this, this movie, oh, yeah. this movie, and and that are, are funny. And we talked about, you know, she's written a couple episodes of Strange New Worlds, which are some of the best episodes of Strange New Worlds. The Star Trek Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. yes, I really enjoy that. Which, show. Oh, cannot wait for the, the new season to start next yeah. week. She wrote both of the uh, doctor-centered episodes with him and his daughter. Oh, my goodness. I loved the storyline with Dr. Mbega and his daughter. That was one of my favorite parts of the last season. Absolutely. You know, as we were watching Megan, I felt like the jokes felt like home. And they felt like, like I got them in a way. It felt like it was speaking directly to me. And I was like, I can't put my finger on it. But this movie feels black. There are no black people in this movie except like the one <laughs> lab assistant. But it feels it feels black. <laughs> in terms of the lab assistant, I don't know if y'all have ever seen The Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo, which by the way is my recommendation. It's a wonderful I have web not series. Seen that. But casting Brian Jordan Alvarez as the schlubby, straight tech guy in flannels and cargo pants was a wild choice having mostly known him as from Caleb Gallo. Okay, so this sounds like something I need to see. Just seeing Brian Jordan Alvarez play that aggressively straight was kind of a camp delight all on its own. Yeah, Keela Cooper also wrote or co-wrote another movie that we've talked about watching on here, which is Hellfest, which is a horror movie that all happens in a at a horror fair Halloween thing, but also features a lead played by a non-binary actor. So nice. That's Worth good. But after out. they slash them, I no longer just take that as a default. Like, ooh, non-binary. I'm like, they <laughs> slash them has ruined that for me. I have you talked about they slash them yet? We have. We had issues. Oh my goodness. Okay. I haven't listened to that one yet, but I think just to get completely off track for a second. Oh, please My do. biggest problems with the, they, slash the mo- they slash them had no problem going off track. <laughs> One of my biggest like issues with that movie, other than the weird, like too long singing scene in the bunk, was that the lead 
actor in that role, I really loved in, oh my gosh, The Candidate? Is that the name of the, or The Politician? Yeah, politician. yeah that's what, the one with Ben Platt, right? Yes. Yeah. Loved them in The Politician. And I felt like they they were bringing it and they slashed them. They were acting. Their little heart out. Doing their best. But there was just nothing. It was like that movie was a prime example of the actors did their job. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really the writing that let It was down. really like, you know, sometimes you say like, oh, I don't, I don't know that the writing wasn't that great and the actors didn't have much to work with. But my gosh, you could tell it was the writing. That was. Yeah, not- the actors tried their best, but like. And that weird relationship at the very end. Oh, the out of with nowhere the, relationship. Yes. Or just <laughs> the moral like, message I love of him. Like, and it's like, wait, what? Just the moral message of like conversion camps are wrong, but putting a stop to conversion camps is also wrong. <laughs> I'm like, I, that's just no matter what the actors do, that's just not a message I can get behind, Phil. <laughs> Especially not in a horror movie where my willingness to accept cathartic violence is at its height. Especially because a- that movie was like the conversion camp was like, hey, we're not a conversion camp. And I was like, OK, but we are going to do horrible things to queer kids and we're going to treat them awfully. And I'm like, then what's the point? Like, what do you think you are doing here? Also, we're going to keep on permanent retainer and a hired in-house undercover twink. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, so what is your what Most is your can- this. Why did most conversion camps don't, as far as I know, don't also have honey pots which are allowed <laughs> to go to completion? I know. I was like, I thought the honey pot was like, I'm gonna tempt him, and then that man Rick, got that. They went all the way. <laughs> that angelic twink took it in the ass with no lube. And only after that was he like, and by the way, the trap is sprung. And after coming straight out of the lake, too. like I know. I'm like, you're cold and wet. The amount of lake sex in that movie, also very upsetting. Very, especially between adults and teens. Whatever. We're not here to talk about they slash them. That, That movie had a ton of problems, and I'm sure that you all talked about them. We are here to talk about a movie that we all enjoyed. I yes. assume, Megan. Yes. And if you didn't did. enjoy it, we are not friends anymore, and I, I don't understand you. <laughs> I really enjoy this movie. I enjoy how so much of it is very well crafted, smart, dumb. But then every now and then you just get some good old fashioned, straight up dumb, dumb. Yes, like and I loved it. Megan's motivation changing like four times in a single scene. Yes, or Megan deciding that she needed to explain the entire reasoning behind how she was going to stage this murder suicide <laughs> like she went into a lot of detail for no reason the corporate espionage plot that i swear <laughs> i thought was at least gonna be like how we get a stinger hook no but it's nothing. It's nothing nothing right i thought like the corporate espionage okay here's what i thought i thought that because he had downloaded those files, once they got rid of Megan, whoever he was sending those files to would then transfer her consciousness somehow, or they would boot it up and be like, oh, now we've got a, 
a Megan, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I like, love that that's going instead of, yeah, just stole some company secrets because you thought it'd be a fun prank. She just, just if you could get away with it. And I was like, is that long? I, this is, is going to be like, like Jurassic Park. It's going to show up five movies down the line. And just like, <laughs> hey, remember that like dropped plot thread where there was a whole like, you know, intellectual property theft that just ended because the guy <laughs> died before doing anything with it? Yeah, well, I we're going to pick that up. <laughs> All right. So who's doing the recap? Did we assign that? I could wing it. Should I wing it? I, I feel like any of us are going to be winging it at this point. Winging it. All right. Katie, who is honestly, again, we get another amazing, uh, great child actress performance in Violet McGraw. Um, Absolutely. I'm at the point where I think child actors is inherently unethical. But these kids keep doing such great performances. Yeah, and this this kid also is young Nell in The Haunting of Hill House, which is another, like, maybe don't expose kids to that, but also she did a great job. Yeah. So, I don't know. How much trauma is the right amount of trauma for art? Probably I don't know, but she perfectly delivered with your $5 handbag as an insult. She fucking... Dx Allison Williams in the in the face yeah. in this movie, and it's kind of amazing. She fucking hurls a chair at a window like she's just straight up WWE. And she went for it in every scene. Okay, all right, back to all the right. recap. Okay, all right, they're in the they're in the snow. Katie's driving with her parents, but then the parents meet the mean old Mister Plow. Home, that's right, Homer Simpson. Mister Plow straight up kills him. That murder again was Mr. Plow. Oh, you made my terrible joke worth good. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I love you. <laughs> I was going nowhere with it. Then you gave it a great ass punchline. Ah, this is why we're co-writing a book. The Dashing School for Wayward Princes. Now announced. Fuck yeah, motherfuckers. Reorder it in like a year. Yeah. Meanwhile, Katie is then sent to live with her aunt Allison Williams, a roboticist at a does this movie also take place in Seattle? I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Is this another Seattle movie? I think this, it is. This takes place in the same universe as Malignant. Like, you, you convinced me otherwise. Is the Pacific Northwest inherently creepy? That seems I mean, to be the Twin way we're PC. moving is Pacific Northwest as home of creepy shit. All right, I'm with it. I don't think Alita, I don't think Akila Cooper went to, uh, was in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, James fucking Australian, like... I think they just love Twin Peaks. Here's the wonderful thing about the Pacific Northwest is you can just shoot in Canada and pretend mm, it's the mm, U.S. Mm. Indeed. All right. So she's after the, she's so a roboticist. I thought she was just a toy developer. All the toys she develops are pretty crazy robots. That's true. Like Furby knockoffs. Yeah. Oh, my God. Perpetual Pet. Just fuck. The mouth is horrifying on Perpetual Pet, right? Absolutely. They show a model of the Perpetual Pet that's fine. And then the one they keep going back to is the one with the crazy fucking mouth with the, like, human-looking teeth, which is not okay. It's real ugly Sonic vibes. Yeah, it's basically a pooping Furby is, uh, I think, what we establish. So Allison Williams has been assigned by her boss, CEO Daily Show correspondent Ronnie Chang, to build a budget version of the Perpetual Pet. And instead, she is kind of just embezzled about $100,000 of company funds to create her own mini Terminator. It, <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah, it's like, Allison Williams should be at the least fired and probably in jail, right? Like She should be in jail by the end of this. Oh, yeah. Like, 
this is another one of those who's going to jail movies. <laughs> At the end of this movie, somebody is going to jail. Who is it? Like, I'm sorry. Like, four people are dead. You can't tell me, oh, it was the robot doll who did it. I'm like, no, somebody needs to be legally responsible for this. Absolutely. Maybe you pin it on Ronnie Chang. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I keep getting distracted. That's okay. The movies is just, that's the movie's vibe. That is the movie's vibe. David so I thought like- it was, can I just add that I thought it was really interesting that in this car ride up the mountain that they're taking to go to the ski resort, you know, where Katie's mom has always wanted to take her, they're complaining about the perpetual pet that Aunt Gemma, that's Allison Williams, yeah. is that her name? Allison Williams' name. They're complaining about this perpetual pet that Aunt Gemma has given to Katie because you play with it by using an iPad, like you interact with it through an iPad. And they were really concerned about how much screen time she was getting. So as parents, they are concerned about, is their child getting enough like human interaction? And is she too into this pet? Which Gemma completely does not think about. No. Gemma builds a fucking robot just to make an orphan use a coaster. Yes. And I really thought that toy makers and people who like make toys for children. Okay, that's toy makers. I don't know why I said that twice. I don't think Gemma makes toys for children. I don't think so, I think but she you makes would toys think for that herself. You would think that a company like that would have some thought process behind how children work, like child psychology as they are making things for children. We're showing a whole department of people whose job that is who are just like Staring at children, playing with things creepily. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Emma, and not a part of that. Not a part of that. Yeah. And so Ronnie Chang comes in and is like, did you just build a new lab down here? So not only has she embezzled like $100,000 to build this Frankensteinian creation and enlisted the help of two Igors. Again. But also she moved her entire lab from wherever it was supposed to be down to the basement and locked out director CEO Ronnie Chang. Like his key card wasn't working and he was like banging on the window to get in. Allison Williams is objectively a bad person in this movie. She is in charge of her niece for like a day and then gets so sucked into work she forgets to make her child orphan niece dinner. Yeah, I mean, I think in a world where Grubhub exists, this is not acceptable. Like, it's, it's like a woman <laughs> who tells an orphan not to play with the toys in her house. Yeah. I. It's hard to tell what level is fail, girl. What level especially is, I do think there's an element of autism coding, especially maybe in the scene where with the psychologist, when you can just see how Gemma is frustrated Gemma is that the toy isn't being played with correctly. It's not designed to be rolled around. <laughs> and so, how much is just her being like fucking horrible person? So, I don't want to conflate them. I really don't want to conflate those. I don't. I don't know. You know. I gotta things. say, I was thinking about my siblings, and I know I have at least I have one sister who collects Barbies. They are not toys, and she is very clear when my kids come over about which Barbies they can play with and which Barbies are not to be played with. And, you know, and you can see it on her face 
that she is trying to be kind and allow these children to play with these children things in the way that children play with them. And you can see her like stopping herself from being like, don't do that, you know, because she, but she's always been that way with her toys. And I think in a very important difference also you are alive in this scenario absolutely absolutely your children are thankfully not snowplow orphans let the traumatized orphan play with whatever the fuck she wants except (laughs) as far as the normal toys go not the murder doll toys all right so um i I do want to like you said there's a there needs to be a distinction between the like I feel like she is pretty clearly autism coded and not in a way that like movies traditionally code autism, not in a rain man kind of way, but in a like, this is a person who like has made a life for themselves that is, is comfortable and they do things the way that they do things. And maybe they are embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop their own Terminator. But like the compulsion with which she is like, no orphan, use a coaster <laughs> like oh no i recognize that not as horrible person stuff but is like having like your way that you do things dude she's just she's just bert she's just okay. like here's a coaster that's this is what would happen if bert was allowed to live by himself and have his pigeons and his bottle caps and his saddle <laughs> shoes and just not have anybody eating cookies anywhere near his bed the one thing i will absolutely defend Gemma on is Katie flush the fucking toilet that's gross listen listen at the no I'm not even gonna go sometimes children listeners I wish you could see Jeremy's face right now I I just saw it's just it's a it's a struggle it's a a perpetual struggle and you know the reasoning the reason that was given was because the toilet is loud and scary (laughs) and when it's nighttime and the lights are off in the hallway, I don't want to flush the toilet because then I have to run out into the hallway and it's dark and scary in there. So I just, anyway. I think that then became a habit. Mm-hmm. But... So let's oh, get no. the screen back on track. So where were so, we? Je- so yeah, so Gemma does a display. The head explodes. Megan's head, not Gemma's. And Ronnie Chang is like, what the fuck? This is not what I asked for. You're embezzling. Build me what I asked for, please. Please do your job. Like, Ronnie Chang is portrayed as purely an unreasonable asshole in the scene, and really his request is just a desperate plea for an employee to do their job. Yeah. But, you know, now that she's got Katie living with her, Gemma decides, you know what? No. More embezzlement. Uh, And she assigns to complete Megan because... You know, after she sees how much Katie bonds with Bruce, which is just like a Chekhov's punch drone, which is nice. I love that as soon as they introduce Bruce, I'm like, wow, can't wait for you to come back in Act 3 to help fight against Megan. It inspires Allison Williams to be like, ooh, what if a robot could deal with this little girl's grief? Then I wouldn't have to. So she just keeps on embezzling, but this time the head doesn't explode and she does it right. And Ronnie Chang is convinced to... Launch it like it is all that and sliced bread and the kitchen sink and a bag of potato chips. And also it's, it's $10,000. It's, yeah. It's which, a very expensive child's toy. That but is, think, that will get you three Vision Pros. 
<laughs> but I think one of the the reasons why she went forward with Megan is because she really was having a hard time connecting with Katie and showing her Bruce the puppet robot that she made in college. You know, that was like her first robot was the first time Katie was like, wow, this is so cool. But what she misread Katie's, I think, interest, right? Katie is interested because Gemma takes the time to take the face off of Bruce and or that the cover off of Bruce and shows her like these are his sensors and this is how he smells and this is how he you know and this is and Katie thinks that that part is really cool like she's interacting Which, with Katie. Why Katie does that robot it. need to smell? I that don't robot, know why the robot, robot needed that, to smell. That is a completely remote controlled robot. <laughs> it didn't need like of those things i mean i can only suppose that if you are thinking that bruce might be good good for like exploration right like if you are able to control it as a puppet at home and bruce can be on mars maybe then you might want him to be able to give you some data about you know chemicals or something i'm good with that yeah 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 the whole sequence with her not being able to act interact with katie was one of those things that i'm like I, you have a cool job that involves like making toys and, and building cool shit and robotics. Kids like that stuff. Why can't you just be like, hey, look at this cool shit I do. You want to like mess with it while I work on my job. I mean, I don't know if that's just me being a parent or. Oh, no. Or I mean, Gemma makes toys and robots and is still somehow unable to be the cool aunt. Yeah, she's. She just can't do it. The also, second thing is we, yeah. we did skip over a thing that's like just very briefly touched on in this. And I really think reinforces your Gemma is a bad person theory, which is Gemma says the way that Megan's speech patterns were developed is that they put the oh, yeah. microphones with the report everything that children say to, in front of perpetual pets back to them and synthesize to this personality out of like children's speech patterns that's, and her own was boss does not yes. know that's there her boss doesn't know so the people owning it definitely don't and he very wisely does not want to know and be legally liable for that yeah like, he says i don't know that you didn't just tell me that Fucking Allison Williams is kind of a war criminal before she even starts the murder robot. Like, do you remember the scene in in the Dark Knight where like Lucius Fox is like, I can't sanction you doing this, Batman. This is too far. He was that like, is Bruce? the level at which Allison Williams starts the movie is like. Batman monitoring everybody's cell phones in Hong Kong. And like, that's like where we start. And she is doing it to make a toy. Yeah, like, she's not doing it to fight crime. She's doing it to build a better AI. I have watched this movie several times. I still do not know who would make the better parent, Allison Williams or Megan. I, I gotta say that it, well, I'll talk about how this makes me think of Frankenstein at the end because- Everything in horror comes back to Frankenstein for me, but but go on. So yeah, so Megan and just keeps pairing with Katie, and Megan keeps learning and learning, and Katie gets more and more emotionally dependent on Megan. You know, throws tantrums when Megan isn't around, refuses to be separated, won't go to school without Megan. 
Uh, oh, and- oh, oh. And at one point, girl lab assistant is like, hey, if you're doing all of this stuff with Megan, if you're having Megan tell your kid when to flush the toilet and you're having Megan uh, teach your kids science lessons and you're having Megan read her nighttime stories, then you're not actually parenting your kid. And don't we need to think about is Megan going to interfere with your ability to take care of your kid? And Gemma says, she's not my kid. Like, what the crap? Again, Allison Williams is a monster in this movie. She was like, first of all, that's none of your business. Second of all, she's not my kid. And it's like. And third of all, God, I hope so. (laughs) I also love the little voiceover she does where she's like, Megan is going to be great because Megan can do all of the little parenting things that you don't want to do, like repeat yourself over and over again. And Megan will never lose patience. And you see the first time Megan says, Katie, don't forget to flush the toilet. And then like later on, Megan's like, Katie, seriously, flush the toilet. Like even the robot is tired of telling this kid to use a coaster and flush the toilet. Okay, the robot program to love you is tired of your shit, is literally tired of your shit. Come on, Katie. In in this one instance, little orphan girl, I'm going to tell you, get it together. But oh, man. So Megan eventually does, you know, does what murder robots do, gets super overprotective, and starts going to murder. And she get... does get attacked by a dog first, which I think oh, yeah. we're supposed to understand is where, like, some of her programming fucks up. This dog attacks first Megan and then the little girl. And uh, this dog, like, grabs Megan by the neck and is, like, throwing her around, which, like, if that was a real human, that a human would be very dead. Um, Yeah, like, this is the first time I've ever been, like, had mixed feelings about a dog death in one of these movies. Yeah, I don't know what the laws are in Washington. That dog should not be allowed people. That dog would be dead. That dog should not be around children by any means. And he definitely should not be off a leash wandering around the neighborhood. Yeah, um, like, yeah. So I think this is one time where like Megan kills the dog, and I feel a, bad a little dog. bad that the dog got tricked into coming to his death. But yeah, he was a very violent dog. He was so, a bad. He was a bad dog. Yeah. So Megan learns about. De- oh, and you skipped over the part where they're I'm working on of, Megan. I'm oh. not going beat by beat. I'm. I'm sorry, go- but this is a really. I think this is really important, Megan. They're working on yes, Megan, which is why we can talk about it. Okay, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, but they're working well, you on started. Megan. Yes, you fucking started. So let's go. <laughs> so they're working on Megan in the lab, and they're like, blah blah blah. Katie's parents died, and Megan's like supposed to be off. And Megan's like, how did Katie's parents die? And they're like, Megan, we don't need to talk about this right now. And Megan's like, let me look that shit up because you're not telling me about it. And then she was like, how am I supposed to talk to Katie about death? And Gemma's like, I don't really know. And Megan's like, hmm, all right. So this is what death is. And then she says, what does she say, Jeremy? She was like, am I going to die or something yeah. like that? And I was like, hey, guys, you've created artificial life. Like that thing just said that it thinks of itself as being alive and and that it's curious whether or not it will die. At that point, either you shut it down or you report it to somebody because that thing just called just like just referred to itself as being alive. It is now self-aware. Yeah, they they did an oopsie, but also this wasn't an unforeseen circumstance. It wasn't like you gave it to your niece not knowing that death might come up from your recently orphaned niece's 
therapy mom bot, sister bot. Yeah, it's not like Chucky. But, yeah, like, you should have prepared for this eventuality, Allison Williams. This should not have surprised you. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't believe Dev came up and the around my fucking orphaned niece. Like, that should not have caught her so flat-footed. <laughs> so, I'm sorry I got us off track again. All right. So, Allison, that's a bunch of money. Otherwise, the recap's just me talking by myself for, like, fucking <laughs> half an hour. And that's not fun to listen to. So, Allison embezzles a bunch of money to make a therapy parent robot does not think at all about the consequences of her actions, despite being told by everyone else, hey, this kid might be getting too attached to this toy. Toys are designed to be let go of. And her boss gets a wind of it, sees a great demonstration of it actually working, and is like, we're going to roll this out to everyone. Meanwhile, Megan's been murdered. She murdered a dog. Yep. And she murdered a kid. Oh, she murders the shit. That kid is a little sociopath. Like, that kid would have grown up to be, like, the husband in Malignant. The kid was I mean, terrible. Strictly speaking, she doesn't kill the kid. She rips his ear off and then chases him over a hill where he then falls in front of a car. Loved she, it. Loved she it. She flushes her quarry. And again, to make child. this child death acceptable, first we have a scene of him just, like, torturing Katie with a chestnut. Like... That was some real Guantanamo shit. But again, they really got to get you on Megan's side for that. Really, all of her kills. They get you on her side for all of them. Pretty much. I, actually, I, no, I take that back. That chemical washer was so brutal. I'm like, ooh, that I don't know. That was so bad. And then that she was, goes That after, was too brutal. Ooh. Yeah. Then she goes after the, the dog lady, the dog owner. Yeah. But no, like, I know in the censored version, you don't, that came out in theaters, you don't get the ear being stretched and ripped off. So we watched the PG thirteen version with our daughter, and uh-huh. it wasn't. It was. It was enough. I mean, it was okay. It was still pretty. You got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> they Do you the still ear. get the paper cutter through Ronnie Chang? Yeah, you don't see it go through. Oh, but it's you very. See it's it heavily through. implied, you know, that it goes through, but. Okay, so she kills the dog's owner because the dog's owner banged on the window threateningly and was like, yeah. I know you killed my dog. And not just any kill, like fucking power washed with like... same, chemi- Also with- same trap. <laughs> she makes the same exact trap. She pulls when- it off twice. <laughs> she pulls it off twice. The first time she imitates the owner calling the dog and then the, uh, the dog comes. Then the second time she imitates the dog whining for its owner and the owner comes. This lady is power washed with pesticides until like, thank God, because this would have been, thank God we don't get more than just like a little bit of it, like just enough to sate my bloodlust, but anymore and I would have been sick. Like this lady is like, her body is melted off her bones. I feel like that's saying something because y'all watched Videodrome and were like, more of that, please. (laughs) <laughs> y'all, y'all watched The Fly and you were like, let's have a whole month of Cronenberg and fill the power washer with the pesticide. It's like, <laughs> too much. Chun- look, anytime chunks of face are Hold falling on. off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I will say, man, do I wish they, The Fly had given us Jeff Goldblum fused to the radiator. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't see. get over the puke scene but in The Fly, success- though. 
That computer reading is successfully fused. Get fucked. Who are you going to argue with? Is still one of my favorite moments in any movie we've done. Just this blatant ass mechanical failure that this computer has the balls to go. Success. Success. Perfect I did success. It. <laughs> I did it. Amazing. And what? <laughs> Amazing. So then Megan starts imitating what? Elsie, the little helper, Alexa. So that's another thing about Allison Williams' character that doesn't hold up. Allison Williams loves devices and technology and fucking everything in her home is a smart device connected to Internet of Things. It's all connected. And I don't fucking believe that for a second because I know people in software and none of them trust technology whatsoever. <laughs> fucking you talk to someone who actually works in like soft in like software or security like they don't trust a fucking printer that beeps the wrong way. <laughs> It's like the thing that people say about like people who work in tech and make tons of money working in tech send their kids to schools that don't use a lot of like tech. And there is most where like Megan has clearly hacked into the entire house's like electrical system and is just flickering the lights for fucking dramatic effect. And Gemma doesn't even notice. At no point goes, oh, fuck, these things should not be connected to each other. She goes, yeah, this is fine. The end result, though, is really that Megan has malignant powers. Yes. Like, that's really... Megan is getting, obviously, more and more annoyed with Gemma. Gemma is not paying attention to it. Like, 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 Katie (laughs) Katie puts her cup on the table, and Megan looks at it and notices that it's not on the coaster, and then looks at Gemma like, I'm not gonna say anything. It's like... How do you not notice the sentience here? Anyway. Oh, man. Also, God, I I need to talk about the weirdest fucking character in the whole goddamn movie is the detective who shows up after the dog lady is killed. And he's like, oh, that's not funny, but uh, <laughs> cracking jokes. Sorry, shouldn't have laughed. Who is this man? <laughs> Who the fuck is this, like, wise-cracking detective that shows up in one scene? And I can only assume knows Detective Kakoa Shaw. Yeah, this was after, what did you call him? You said you were like Teddy Bear Cop and... Teddy Bear Cop detective. is delightful. Teddy, Teddy Bear, Bear Cop is the only good cop. And then we get like, this man contributes nothing to the plot, just fucks with like Allison William. Right? Full of character. It's like, that's a lot of character for somebody who gets. I've got to think that there must be like more scenes with him in there that got cut for time or, or deleted. Either I mean, that. They did some cuts to make this PG 13, which like, I don't think you can really feel that much. I mean, we've talked about there, there's an unrated version. In which they just they basically just edit in a couple of like longer shots, some like bloodier yeah. deaths and stuff. But apparently there's like an original version of this in which like Lydia, the therapist, is among the people that get killed and Ooh, has yeah. a higher body count from what that makes sense. They've said. It's weird it's weird how the lab assistants survive. That felt like a reshoot. I liked that. <laughs> I was um, very happy they survived. <laughs> they didn't yeah. deserve death. Okay. But no, so- like, I, I I think it's either that or that detective, like, they cast, like, an improv comedian and just let him riff. Yeah. 
So the detective comes and tells Gemma, hey, that little boy that got killed, it was real weird. It was an accident, but we found his ear like really far away. He says in the most casual way, too. Would you know anything about that? It was like he describes it with the tone of like he of like he, he found like a wallet on the ground and he's looking around trying to figure out who it belongs to. Yeah, gross, right? And then and that's what gets her thinking, whoa, maybe Megan is killing people. So she starts trying to look through Megan's files. Megan has deleted all of her files. And so she turns Megan off, wraps her up, and tells the assistants, like, we can't let this launch, right? Megan might be a murderer. <laughs> I love the like level at which even then she's like, right? Like you guys also <laughs> think this is a bad idea. They right? have like, it hot. I probably shouldn't have created life, right? Like that seems wrong. She's looking for every permission. I'm playing God and I feel like that is not okay. Is that right? <laughs> right right oh my god i love the big video they have where it's just like ryan chang being like this girl isn't just surviving she's thriving <laughs> everything with ronnie chang is hilarious to me including when he gets mad and throws his empty water cup and demands a kombucha fucking kombucha oh, he's like and i want a key card for this door <laughs> <laughs> Gemma's like you know what i'm taking katie home She's clearly traumatized. I've made some errors here. Taking Katie home. I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And then when she calls Tess on the way home to be like, hey, we got to scrub the launch. That's when Megan. Intercepts that's the when call. Megan, yeah, yeah, but that's weird because Megan includes a lot of details like, oh, my God, this is what's going on over here. I was like, why would why did she? That was unnecessary. But anyway. She she is glitching too at this yeah. point. She has a little problem with her Glados auto tune occasionally kicking in when she's in you know faking other people's voices. So <laughs> and again, she, this is the great scene where, despite now knowing that Megan is definitely a murderer, Allison Williams still almost begging for permission to go ahead with the launch and being like, well, just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, she just she, leaves she the killer it. robot in okay. the, like right. the building that's full of children and goes home herself. Doesn't like tells the lab assistants on the way, but does not tell her boss at all. So then Megan goes on a murder spree. Yeah, which I. Why did she kill Rowdy Jerry? There's no reason. There's no more. Like she just there's does a no TikTok reason. dance and decides to do a murder. There's no reason for her to dance, and there's no reason for her to like take a paper cutter and murder Rowdy well, Jerry. Well, let's be clear now. There's always reason to dance if the music strikes, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "What are you doing?" Well, like, like she, that, she wanted like, to get to her little girl. I guess Jeremy, Jeremy was saying that maybe she needed the car keys, but she's a robot. Like she doesn't. I don't know. Megan she doesn't started explain a lot of her mind. motivations for things, and I, like, I assume for some reason in my brain that she dislikes the fact that he treats her like a toy and just like sort of she uh, is yeah i mean she's a child's plaything <laughs> i mean she's clearly evolved beyond that but i don't know how much we can blame ronnie chang ceo of a toy company for treating a product of his company of his toy company like a toy <laughs> yeah so she gets home 
She kills a bunch of people, horrifies everyone, traumatizes a bunch of kids when they see two like well, dead bodies. I love that. I love that they turn around and like she still has enough time to wa- get the fuck out of the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before anyone looks behind and sees like two dead bodies. Yep. And then she gets home and starts fighting with Gemma. <laughs> I don't remember what she said. I just remember going, well, now, wait a minute. We were having a really nice conversation. <laughs> like, I, I feel like the bit of movie magic. Go back to the elevator scene. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This isn't a criticism. This is like what you need to have. But movie magic, because in real life, what you would have had when she's doing that whole long scene about framing the assistant for his own. Is the doors suicide. closing repeatedly? Yeah, it's just the doors <laughs> closing repeatedly on the Ronnie Chang's dead body. The open the entire time. And I yes, should have just been beeping, just been like banging up again. You should have just gotten like cutaways to just like it banging against like Ronnie Chang's lifeless torso. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that too and it didn't happen. I thought that was yeah. a missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, we get the great, we get this fight. Why, Allison Williams, why did you build her with so much robot strength? <laughs> why did you give her head ripping off capabilities but then katie comes to the fucking rescue with the chekhov's bruce yes which i love he yep. just all gets all the big hits in this yeah fucking until, like rips. until he steps on a on the second half of the doll's body yes. that's been ripped in half yeah, he, he, we get that great shot of him just fucking ripping megan apart yeah. Oh, also someplace at this but during all of this, Megan saying David Guetta songs. So uh I'm bulletproof, nothing else. She's <laughs> she at various points sings titanium and then like is and then playing she plays toy soldiers on the piano. She just she's just programmed with a whole library of songs that are creepy for adults. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's just very important to just know that that happens yes it doesn't impact the plot but this is just a movie where a robot sings titanium <laughs> uh but you know like a good terminator just being ripped in half won't keep it down so allison's gotta rip apart its face but then she sucks so she still can't finish the job so it's up to katie to save her again with a fucking screwdriver to the robot brain the ending happy ending the lab assistants lived. Please let Allison Williams go to jail. And uh-oh, looks like Megan still lives in the fucking Alexa machine. The Allison Williams end. is definitely in the cell next to the woman from uh, Malignant. As, as Dave said, who's going to jail here? Like, somebody's got to go to jail for killing all of the police officers in Seattle. Um, yeah, I can't imagine the families are going to be like, oh, look, it wasn't this person. It was their evil twin in the back of their head. So it's OK. Nobody needs to go to jail. Yeah. And this one is it wasn't this person. It was their evil robot that they created using embezzled company funds. So, yeah, they're definitely All the- Allison Williams belongs under the jail. Yeah. Those two are definitely in, in cells next to each other because they can't be in the same cell because Malignant will turn backwards and kill her. I love this movie and it's super fun. Absolutely. And Allison Williams as the protagonist. It's like you can't think that a main protagonist can be so full of fail, but then she's just so compellingly a fail girl. At least she's better than Victor Frankenstein because Victor Frankenstein made his creation. The creation woke up and saw him and he immediately ran away from it and pretended to have nothing to do with it. So at least she No, no. She created Frankenstein, took one look at it and went, 
great. Do my emotional great. labor. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. She created her her monster, and then was like, and she was okay, like, I perfect. can sell this. Yes. What's perfect. better? What's better? Abandoning your creation or enslaving slash commodifying your creation? Yes. This is Frankenstein plus capitalism. Oh yeah. Okay, but it, you know what? She didn't think that she was making a life. That's true. That like Frankenstein was explicitly like, uh, like let's Frank- make life. Exactly. Let's make life. Yes. And then ran away from it. Yes. When it came true. She set out to make a doll you know, like, have this a conversation. Is some Star with. Trek thing of like, hey, I work for a toy company and I accidentally created life. Should we sell that? Because we didn't mean to do that. Yeah, it's a real data data situation, isn't it? You know, I just want to see. I feel like in the next movie, they can defeat Megan by making her count fingers. With the right amount of fingers. I'm sorry, that one. Like, we should have known from Megan that, like, they're coming after us with the fucking sable diffusion. She's got that AI. What was that? That invisible watercolor portrait she did. Yeah, that was weird. And then she then she made a joke. She was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Sorry, I spilled the water. Oh, it's actually a picture. Also, I do love how, to go back to the beginning with the Perpetual Pets, I loved how at first it's just a commercial for like, ha, ah, you're, do- you're like, dogs die. <laughs> Your dog is but dead. Perpetual buy, Pets? Buy our toy instead. Our support for this software app will definitely outlive a dog. Zuri was watching it and she was like, this commercial is really, oh, it's part of the movie. But like it got her at first. And oh, yeah. It getting weirder and weirder. And she was like, it's kind of I wish it almost been like more of the tone being that in your, like, your face weird. Like just how fucked up all the company and products were. Absolutely. Also, I love every time when Allison Williams is like, I made a promise to my sister to always take care of you. My sister, who I love, I'm like, man, we got one scene of the sister talking about Alice Williams. She fucking hated you. Like, the one scene is just like, the, like again, the sister gets one scene before she dies, and her dialogue is mostly like, ugh, I hate this thing Gemma created. I hate uh, Gemma for sending it. Gemma's she's, so irresponsible. She's, she's so irresponsible and cheap, and that she, that she probably didn't even pay for shipping. It's ruining our daughter. <laughs> Fuck, fuck Allison Williams, dead by snowplow. So, like, I just love all the, like, emotional pleas to her bond with her sister. It's like, we're just fucking just talking so much shit behind her back. Yeah, this is definitely, like, this is the same relationship that the protagonist of Jurassic World has with her sister, whose, whose children she also refuses to take care of. Like the same it's the same character minus the for some reason high heels and and dress another great moment in this film i wish i could bottle up and sell the side eye that the therapist delivers when katie says she's not allowed to allowed to play with Gemma's toys because they're collectibles like the look the therapist gives is just like oh we could solve global warming if we could like harness the energy of that side eye, <laughs> which we could use because I am coming to you from the Martian hellscape that is New York City. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. even here, we're not supposed to be going outside as much as possible today. Oh, another great moment of just Allison Williams sociopathy 
in this movie is when she's talking to uh, Tess. And, like, even Tess is trying to, like, speak to Allison Williams' humanity and says, like, you just lost your sister. And Allison Williams' response without missing a beat is, and we just spent 100000 of company funds. Yes! Yes! He's a fucking sociopath. Goodness gracious. The oh. You were talking about the power of side eyes in here. The power with which Megan just, like, cuts through Gemma's bullshit in this, because, like, usually these robots level out at creepy whereas like alicia was talking about the the conversation toward the end where she's like megan shut down and megan says hang on i thought we were having a conversation here. megan is the i feel like megan is the first killer robot i can recall that evolved to the point of sassiness megan is a very sassy robot yes but she yeah she started off a little a little sassy she did. I mean, again, like we said, she was losing her patience right away where she's like, come on, fucking flush the toilet. Don't, <laughs> oh make, me tell you, and... don't make me tell you with the back of my hand. And Megan's, if there is such thing as heaven, you don't think it's for little boys like Brandon, do you? Okay. <laughs> okay. That line, though, fucking it, ice cold. Ice cold. Brandon's in a better place, right? Mm. No. I had to put on a swe- I had to put on a sweater because that line gave me chills. <laughs> like incredible. Like fucking hats off to Amy Donald. Another fucking child actress who played Megan just like or, and then Jenna Davis is the voice of Megan. Mm. Dual role that just like, you know, the two of them, physical and voice, just creating one of like an instant horror icon. And Megan saying, it's insane, right? <laughs> like, like at oh the time God. that she says that line, she's not actually, it's Jenna just like Davis. a creepy Jen- quirk of a doll that sometimes they say things weird. Like, our oldest daughter used to have this little ball <laughs> <laughs> that you would push and it would say, roll me. Like, you know, play with me, push me, roll me. But it would say it like, roll me. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just a really creepy way that this doll spoke. Or like our second child has a, she had a puppy that used to sing a song and say her name. And it was like, oh, this is a toy. Not a, not a real puppy. Yeah. 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 It was a toy puppy. And it was like, like, had a puppy. What, what, what happened to a puppy? Toy puppy. And it would go, I'm singing about me and my friend Amara. <laughs> Whenever it said her name, it would stop it and go, Amara. And lower voice. Amazing. I do want somebody to edit Megan's drawing to be like the water like pours over and it just reveals like dick butt. <laughs> I know it's a childish me, but it just feels like too perfect to set up. And then you keep the scene going where everyone's reaction is this is just as like awe inspired. Wow. Like Ronnie Chang saying, This is the moment we kicked Hasbro right in the dick. <laughs> Lives red free right now. <laughs> oh my god. And and speaking of Megan's cold lines, that line where Gemma's like, Did you hurt someone? And Megan's like, God, I hope not. Then we both yeah. be in trouble, wouldn't we? <laughs> hey. That one was so good. I loved it. I do love when fucking like I know, like, just to bring us back to when Megan is asking Gemma about death, 
And Allison Williams, like, short patience, frustrated responses, we're looking into it. What does that mean, Allison? You're looking into death? The fuck? Oh. <laughs> like, again, like, credit to Megan for saving that demo where your child performer just starts sobbing in the middle of it, like, as soon as it starts. Like, who, who let fucking Allison Williams have a child long enough for it to even get to the murder robot phase? It's wild. Well... This How do you movie. feel like this movie did with your progressive themes and tropes? I think the movie's totally feminist because uh, they have a main character who is a female evil genius with zero responsibility or social aptitude, which is, is usually something that is uh, reserved for, uh, for horrible guys in these things. Totally agreed. This is a level of fucking human brilliance slash absolute fucking dumb fucking aptitude that I haven't seen since like hell Jeff Goldblum in the fly like <laughs> and again and Allison Williams is so good at playing this like horrifically flawed kind of monster of a human being but isn't this movie basically saying you're failed as <laughs> like if you had any maternal instinct at all none of this bad stuff would have happened I think it's much more if you weren't a workaholic, none of this bad stuff would have happened. Like if you yeah. had taken if you had taken the time to like properly move this child into your home and like gotten her some toys and not gone directly back to work immediately after like pulling yeah. her out of the hospital, face still all cut up when you, you know, I wouldn't say it's Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like maternal theme the way that aliens is explicitly like maternal themes. Mm -hmm. Like it's maternal by virtue of Allison Williams is a woman, but I feel like the overall theme of like, hell, you know, cat cats in the cradle, cat Stevens, like the overall theme of like, don't build a robot to do your parenting <laughs> for you. Like, wait, like can you connect that to cat's cradle? <laughs> Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. That's the one of the other robot ten songs <laughs> Megan knows. Yeah. This movie kind of has the same theme as Adam Sandler's click. Namely, don't use wondrous technologies to skip out on time with your family. Jeremy's gone. <laughs> I lost Jeremy with that one. Mark the time at 10.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, June 7th, 2023. At the moment, we lost Jeremy. Now, that is the film where Adam Sandler has a remote control that just controls the universe and so uses it to have sex with his wife. Yes? No. Yes. But then it's also mostly a movie about how he uses it to skip out on, like, his kid's entire lifetime. And then he gets to be super old and he's like, wait, this was... What did I do? This is a super fuck up. And then the last half hour of the movie is like ridiculously sad. <laughs> never, never watched it. It takes a, I gotta tell you about like last, like act three takes a real fucking tonal <laughs> shift. Did that come out at the same time as multiplicity? No. Oh man. Like 10 years apart. Really? Didn't yeah. multiplicity have like a remote control that he was using to like skip out on doing things with his family and then regretted it? Yeah, no, like Adam Sandler and Click uses this movie, uses the like the magical universe control remote control to be like, oh, thank God I can skip through my daughter's boring birthday party and get back to doing office work. Yeah, multiplicity, he created clones of himself so that he could be in more than one place at once. And 
I think then the theme is the same of like missing out on the important things. And then I guess there's that set snowman movie too, right? Isn't that just like Michael Keaton died and then comes back as a ghost, but he has like as a snowman. He has to like, I guess, like save the spirit of winter break. Like, and isn't there one with a cat where like some dad dies and comes back? That would be Kevin Spacey and that darn cat. (laughs) (laughs) My recommendation is. Jack Frost, starring Michael Keaton, is the most Jack terrifying Frost. CGI snowman you've ever fucking seen. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I would consider this movie feminist. Mm. Um, again, if if in the same way Malignant is and just like, these are very, this is a wonderfully flawed, highly engaging, entertaining, three-dimensional character. And Megan's a fucking icon. My apologies. It's not that darn cat. It's nine lives. It is Kevin Spacey, though. That's yes. good because that darn cat is about a cat, <laughs> like a real cat. <laughs> Tom Brand is a billionaire whose workaholic lifestyle takes him away from his loving wife, Laura, and adorable daughter. Oh, wait, Rebecca. wait. Isn't that also the story of Peter, like of Hook? He's all like, I ain't Yes, got but instead of going to kids. Neverland, he becomes a cat. Needing a present for Rebecca's 11th birthday. Brand buys a seemingly harmless cat from a mysterious pet store. Suddenly, a bizarre turn of events drives both Tom inside the animal's body. I like that his name is I, Tom. I miss when movies were like, Chris Rock got hit by a taxi and died, but now he gets to come back to life as a golden retriever and has only one week to make Kerry Washington fall in love with him. The owner of the business tells him that he has one week to reconnect with his family yes! or live out the rest of his days <laughs> as a cute and furry feline named Mr. Fuzzy Pants. Isn't that also the same story as Ghost Dad? It's, tr- it's bizarrely recurring trope. Dad's dying and coming back as things. <laughs> where does that fall in the arn thompson fairy tale type also ghost where patrick swayze died and he came back as Whoopi goldberg but he wasn't a dad i know that's mom. true he was a daddy though <laughs> but in boots yeah <laughs> i had oh. no idea where i was going when i started that joke but you i am so glad, i am so glad with how it turned out I think you stuck the landing. Uh, well, I couldn't have done it without your help. <laughs> Team- Our- teamwork. <laughs> Makes the dream work. So I don't think there's any queer representation in this film. Yet somehow. Uh, yet somehow Megan is yet a, somehow an it's icon. For- <laughs> and yet somehow, you know, it's for the gays. <laughs> this this one's for the girls, the theys, and the gays. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this movie has culture, even though... <laughs> Even though there were not that many black people on screen, even though there were no queer people explicitly shown on screen, I still feel like this movie has like it's got flavor, it's got seasoning, you know. Can't, well, Aki- well, Akila Cooper's a black like, woman, right? But like, I'm saying like that's how I knew. Like, I just watched the movie and knew yeah. before I knew that she had anything to do with it. I could feel it. I don't know. Maybe it was the $5 handbag (laughs) comment. Something about it was just like, it hit me right in the feels. Okay. So, I mean, how many straight guys pop for, you know, titanium, right? Like when that, when that comes on in the movie, how many of them are, how many straight guys watching are like, fucking, yeah, titanium. 
You stand for the national anthem, <laughs> by which I mean the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. <laughs> Something magical about the movie theater. Is it about this place? What is it about this Spider Verse? It's that I want to see Spider Verse. That's what's magical. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Was fucking yeah. sold out in my local theater all last weekend. So hopefully yeah. this weekend. Let's see. Ability. Did it really talk about ability, disability? No, no. I mean, I guess it it is interesting how it discussed like kind of like unhealthy attachments mm-hmm. and a focus on childhood development. Yeah. I mean, again, I did bring it up earlier, but like again, like as much as I love this movie and it is such a blast to watch, I do wonder if the that it pursues the really independent tracks of this machine is malfunctioning and is murderous and that's why it's bad. And then while also still doing like this machine's core purpose is inherently wrong, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't malfunctioning and murdering. And it I wonder, yeah. And I wonder if it as interesting as that theme is, and as much as the camp fun definitely just lends into just the murderness, if it doesn't get to fully explore that theme of like, yeah. this is an unhealthy attachment, no matter what, like Agreed. murder or no murder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like it says that. It's also sort of preaching to the choir to an extent that people who are watching this, one, kind of know that, but two, are also the people who have their entire houses automated. So, you know. Yeah, oh, that's just another lesson. Don't fucking do Internet of Things. It's such a goddamn security hazard. Don't do it. Fucking adjust, manually adjust your goddamn thermostat. You'll live. If we didn't learn that from Scream or Five Cream, where Ghostface unlocks all the doors in the house with the security program. Yeah. From the phone. Fucking don't do that. No Internet of Things. Yeah. And that's that's just our lesson to you, the viewer, the listener. So I guess the last question is, would you recommend this movie? Oh, fuck yeah. Grab, you know. Open up a six pack, have some friends over and just have yourself an absolute blast of a time with you know, a wonderfully camp horror movie. I got to say that like a lot of times horror movies that are PG-13 are just not very fun and they're not ones that I feel like we can show our kid. But this was one that like I felt like it was perfectly fine for my 12 year old to watch and it like straddles the line of like, ew, gross, you know, like horror and scary jump scary moments but it's like fun horror you know i feel like there are so many things in horror that i would not want to show my 12 year old because it's just unnecessarily sexist or unnecessarily just i mean horrifying yeah you talk about the tropes that we see way too often there is no overt racism in this movie there's no overt misogyny in this movie there's no nudity there's no nudity. There is no sexual harassment or sexual yeah. assault in this movie. Yeah. A trope we know far too often. Way too yeah, often. Yeah, it just becomes a shortcut for this person is horrible. Like we this movie manages to show people being horrible and <laughs> saying horrible things in very mundane ways. Look, here's the deal. If you're listening there, you're writing your story, you're a writer, updated advice. Updated writing tip for the 21st century. If you want your character to be unlikable, do not show them doing sexual assault 
just show them enjoying capitalism. <laughs> or demanding kombucha. Yes. <laughs> Angrily demanding kombucha. Is there any other way to demand kombucha? <laughs> you can't uh, politely demand kombucha. <laughs> just, that just isn't in the spirit of the thing. Hmm. So, so what would we recommend? Yeah. So aside from Megan? Yes. Oh. I will say, I brought it up earlier. It is completely unrelated aside from the presence of that actor. But I do, re- you know, so I make sure Brian I had it right. Brian Jordan Alvarez. Brian Jordan Alvarez. Wanted to double check, make sure I had it right. But it is wonderful. It is Pride Month when we're recording this. So it is, again, it is gay. It is wondrous. It is a lot of fun. It's just a web mini series that is a heck of a good time. You can probably watch it all in an evening, and it is just a delightful little show. Nice. I think in the spirit of picking things that I can watch with my kid that are funny and sassy, the girls and I, and this one is for younger kids too, but the six-year-old, 12-year-old and I have been re-watching Dead End Paranormal Park, which is on Netflix. And if you've never seen it, I highly recommend It's a great series about a trans kid who (laughs) runs away from home uh, with his dog and they get a job at a theme park where paranormal stuff happens and shenanigans ensue. Yeah, the the two leads are, you know, a a gay trans guy and a autistic girl. So pretty great. All right. Yeah. What I'm going to recommend is... uh, also on Netflix, it is a movie called The Perfection, which also stars our our good friend Allison Williams, who plays a sort of musician who has, if I remember correctly, lost an arm in the story and sort of been cast aside by the brilliant musician teacher who was training her to be the, the next sort of big thing and sort of gets involved with the, the girl he is currently training and it very quickly escalates into a into a horror situation giving talking much more about it than that it, it gives stuff away but uh again it is pride that is another gay horror movie with Allison Williams and is definitely very disturbing if you have issues with bugs especially maybe pass on this one but it's very uh messed up and fun as as horror movies go that sounds cool yeah yeah, and there you have it. One of, you got one of a record. whole bunch I watched back during, you know, Scary Movie Month a couple of years ago. I guess, Alicia, do you want to let people know where they can find out more about you or what you do online? No. Well, there I you mean, have it. Just kidding. They... You can find me on Twitter at Alicia Whitley, but I don't tweet very much. And that's probably the best way to find out what I'm doing. I'm mostly talking about education and weird videos that I make. Jeremy watch that I come across on Instagram. She doesn't tweet much and doesn't want to tell you where to follow her, but she does occasionally it's update me on Alina how many followers Whitley. she has. <laughs> it's she does occasionally Whitley. go, a lot of people don't follow me on Twitter. I wish more people followed me on Twitter. And, I, and then I never but tweet anything. You don't tweet anything. And uh, when I ask you where people, and that's if you want to tell me where they find you, you say no. And um, that's, I, I gave her an answer. <laughs> <laughs> As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on their website at BenConComics.com. 
where you can pick up all their books, including pre-ordering L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend, their debut middle grade novel from Scholastic. And for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrom 58 and on my website at jeremywhitley.com, where you can check out everything I write. And you can also go buy The Dog Night right now. It's great. It's out. Brian to go drew it. You know them from this podcast as well. Go buy that if you haven't already. You can't pre-order Dashing School for Wayward Princes yet, but at some point you will be able to. Ben and I wrote that together, and it's great. And we can't wait to share that with y'all. It finally got announced, so we can finally say that on here. Oh, it's exciting. We made a book. We made a podcast. Now we made a book. Absolutely. That's it for us. If you want to get in contact with us, hit us up at Prague Horror Pod on Twitter, or you can go to our journal Patreon, Progressively Horrified. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you'd rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. It helps us find new listeners when you give us five-star ratings. Thanks again to all of you for joining us, and thank you so much to Alicia for actually coming to this side of the mic for this week. No problem. And thank you to all of you for... I already said that. Until next time, (laughs) stay horrified. Clap. (laughs) 